Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Church is noisy. It's really noisy. I seen Randy and we was, we was in the bathroom we was washing our hands and I said Randy are you getting ready to, to bring the noise he said yeah I'm getting ready to bring the noise I really insulted him it's not really noise Randy you're an artist okay but but church is a noisy place you walk in the church and the vestibule the foyer out there people's chit-chatting 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 and then and then and then the worship band comes in and it just fills this room with, with worship music you know a church is not meant to be silent. A church is not meant to be silent. You know, to be silent can be a good thing, though. I mean, sometimes we need to get away from the, the hustle and the bustle, the, 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 our work, sometimes our spouse, our children. I mean, sometimes we just need to get away, maybe sit on a beach way down on the far end. I live on the east end of Ocean Island Beach, way down there at the far end when there's no people. But when it comes in terms of needing to know someone, it's a lonely place to be. Silence can be a deadly place. It can, let me give you an example. What if you went on a date? I'm gonna take some of you way back, okay? Way back. What if you went on a date you know, you go, you, you drive up, you pick your date up, you open up the door, she smiles at you, you shut the door, you drive her to the restaurant, right? You sit down, you have a nice meal, no conversation. You finish your meal, you pay your bill, you get out, you walk her to the car, you open up the door, she turns and she smiles, you shut the door, right? You drive her to the theater to see a movie, right? That's the worst place to have a conversation, okay? You even buy her a bag of popcorn, that's a mistake. You can't talk with popcorn in your mouth. So you see a movie, you leave, you open the door for her, you shut the door, she smiles, right? No words, you drive her home, you let her out, and that's it, right? Fun time, right? Real fun time. Some of you looking at me like, I had that date right? Even some of you are saying, I married that date, right? And now I can't get her to quit talking. Some of you know what I'm talking about, but I want to I paint really a, a dark picture, and, and it's to prove a point. What if, what if God had never spoken? What if, if you go back to the Garden of Eden, what if after Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit from the tree of uh, knowledge, you know, Adam went and hid, right? What if God, from that point on, never spoke again? What if God had went silent? What would your life look like? Can you even imagine? It'd be a dark place. 
what would it be like if we never possessed no word from God? Let me, let me paint the picture even more. You would, you would have no way to know who he was or who you are. You would have, you, 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 he, he, you wouldn't know who he would want you to be. And as a sinner, fallen from, uh, since the fall of humanity, you would, you would be spiritually lost. You would be spiritually deaf. You would be spiritually blind. See, apart from the word of God, you would have no salvation, no hope, and no relationship with your creator. Silence would never seem any darker, right? Silence between the creator and humanity would equate to no relationship between the two. The silence would be deadly. But here's the good news. God did go looking for Adam and Eve in the, in the garden when they hid. He did speak out to Adam. God did, didn't go silent. See, we don't have to live in the darkness of silence today or any other day. Why? Because he, was given a, he has given us a spoken word. He has given us his spoken word. Okay? And that spoken word is still speaking to us today. You know, I really didn't feel sorry for Billy last Sunday. He, he preached on grace, and, and he expounded that, you know, that's such a broad subject. And, you know, you ask what I'm preaching on. I, I told someone I'm preaching on Scripture. And they said, what Scripture? I said, I'm preaching on Scripture. Well, which one are you preaching on? I said, all of them. <laughs> I'm preaching on the Word of God. You know, sola scriptura means by, by his word alone. By his word alone. I want you to look in Hebrews 1, uh, 1 through 2, okay? Long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, God, who promised everything to his son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Let's pray. Father, we welcome you here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your spoken word. I pray our hearts and our ears will be open so as we may hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. God spoke two words. We have it recorded in this book where it does exist. This is the question. Okay, I want to ask you. Where does the Word of God exist in your life? I want us to think about where does it exist in the church? And I want you to uh, uh, think about this. Is it your final authority in your decisions in your life? Is it your final authority in your decisions in your life? See, I want to challenge us this, this morning, okay, with this question. Are you surrendering to and accepting God's spoken word as your final authority in how you view the world around you? Or are you allowing the world around you to influence the way you view the spoken word? Big question. I'm going to read it one more time. 
Are you surrendering to and accepting God's spoken word as your final authority in how you view the world around you? Or are you allowing the world around you to influence the way you view the spoken word? See, I believe our culture today is waning away from the word of God. And it's, and it's moving in the wrong direction. That's what I believe. And I want us to consider two, two, different, two different views here. Two, two views. View number one. This view has been referred to as a postmodernism view. Okay? You may find a deeper definition for postmodernism, but this is a postmodernism view. This is where you will interpret your surroundings through your own reasoning, okay, and through the influence of the culture around you. See, truth is determined through a postmodernist. Truth is determined by man's ideas and by his or hers own reasoning, okay, which in turn will do what? It'll be an ever-changing view. It will be an ever-changing view. In other words, truth will not be constant because it's ever-changing. Basically saying that there is no real truth. That's a postmodernism view. This view, okay, of the world around uh, would, would continue to elevate human reasoning as its final authority. In other words, human reasoning would is is their final arbiter of truth. Let's put it that way, okay. Even when even if that truth is what personal or self-created. Even if that truth is personal or self-created. See, we take this view. It, it will, if we take that view, it's definitely going to affect the way you view Scripture. It will affect the way you view Scripture. See, this view would say that Scripture does not stand in judgment over me. But I stand in above Scripture Deciding for myself, right? Deciding for myself on whether Scripture is reasonable. See, my thoughts are not to be captive to Scripture, but Scripture is to undergo the scrutiny and the judgment of our enlightening reasoning. It's been said, it's been said like this. Those who think much of themselves will be less inclined to believe they need a word from God. See, this person has a tendency to put sort of a cultural grid over top of Scripture. And where they lay this grid over the Word of God, and this grid is is got holes in it. And you're viewing and viewing Scripture through what the culture says, what your own reasoning says, what what you're feeling. Feelings is a big word. It's a very deceptive word. See, we start mixing truth, okay, and reasoning together along with our feelings. I want you to, to, to I'm, I didn't put this scripture down, I'm sorry, but in Genesis 3, do you remember how Satan reasoned with Eve that the fruit on the tree in the center of the garden was good? You know how he reasoned with Eve and said, Are you sure God said that you would surely die? 
And Eve started reasoning on her own. You know, she started reasoning through the through the truth and the word of God. See the part Eve, the part that that, that God said you will surely die. Eve sort of just pushed that to the side. See, she's, she, she reasoned, and, and Satan deceived her. See, the reasoning starts to affect how we interpret truth, how we interpret truth. And if we're not careful, this attitude towards Scripture, it can creep into the doors of our homes. It can creep into the... To, to our schools, it can creep into it can creep into the minds of our children. It can even creep into the to the doors of the church. We can um, even lose our identities of who God created us to be. I mean, if you don't believe me, just listen to the news. You've heard it. Human reasoning and feelings is attacking who God created us to be. There's confusion over the most obvious. We don't even know in this culture today how to define a woman or how to define a man. It's, 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 it's the obvious. See, our kids are being taught that they can be whoever they want to be as if God had nothing to do with it. We're laying this cultural grid over Scripture. See, feelings start to dominate over truth. Feelings start to become more of an authoritative figure than our faith in Scripture. And our own reasoning starts to dominate our decisions. And it's happening not only in our homes, but in our churches as well. Our reasoning, our feelings, becomes the authority in how we think. And I want to give you some 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 statements, okay, that, that that you can look for, I think. You can sort of sort of take this as a warning sign that a, that maybe that a believer is slipping a little bit into his own reasoning rather than God's actual word. Okay, statement number one. I know what the Bible says, but it always ends in but. Okay? Here's another one. I don't feel that a loving God would send anyone to hell. That's not what the Word of God says. Christ's resurrection was spirit only. It wasn't his actual body. I don't think that's what what the Word of God says. I know the Bible says I shouldn't do this. Now, this is going to hit home. I know the Bible says I shouldn't do this, but God understands my circumstances. Right? I don't need to tell anyone the gospel. All I need to do is live a good life and let, let, let them see God in me. And here's the last one. And this one's sad. We need to reinterpret this doctrine. It is offensive to some people. It is offensive to some people. That's view number one. View number two. We can choose to view the world through God's word. Period. And accepting his word 
through faith in God and accepting it as a constant truth, never changing. Okay? Matthew Barrett was a Christian theologian. He says this, One of the most significant needs in the 21st century is a call back to the Bible as a posture, or my own words, an attitude that encourages reverence, acceptance, and adherence to the authority of the message. See, this view claims that God's word is absolute truth. Truth is absolute, right? Just like one plus one equals two, it'll never equal three, it'll never equal four, it'll never equal five. One plus one is two. That is absolute truth. This person views the world through God's word, and he accepts the word as a constant truth, never changing. God's word becomes the authority over his decisions and how he sees the world around him. See, so he said, I may feel this. I may feel this. Our culture may say that. But God's word says this. If you want to put a title on this view, it would say, Scripture says, God says. God says, Scripture says. End of story. Period. Um, there was a time uh, my middle child, Trevor, was probably five or six years old, maybe. Uh, at the most, seven. But I think he was more five or six. And it was close to Christmas, and my wife wanted, she wanted mistletoe. She wanted mistletoe to hang on the porch. She always wanted me to stand under the mistletoe, right? <laughs> so I had some mistletoe. We lived on a pretty big area, about 20-acre farm. And so I grabbed my shotgun and, and stuck it in my truck, and Trevor come up and said, Daddy, can I go with you? I said, sure you can. And... He, I don't think he realized what I, what, what I was bringing with me. So anyway, we went out, uh, found some mistletoe up into some trees, and I pulled that shotgun out. And I, I promise you, he turned into Darth Vader. <laughs> Father, what you doing with that gun? I mean, his voice got deep. And I said, I'm going to shoot that mistletoe out of that tree. Father, what are you doing with that gun? I said, son, I've had this gun since I was 12, 13 years old. My daddy taught me how to shoot a gun at a young age. We, we'd go hunting, right? We'd, we'd go hunting deer, rabbit, squirrel. Daddy, you mean you killed those things? I said, well, son, you have to kill them. They eat them. And yes, I've ate squirrel. If you're, if you're wondering, I have. And I've ate rabbit. And I've ate deer. And I'm going to explain to him. And he said, well, Daddy, God says, thou shalt not kill. So I go on to explain to him, right, how, how God gave man dominion over the animals and the earth and, 
and I go and explain to them that it was that it was a it was a means of, of, of providing food, especially in those days. And I said, um, even um, uh, at at the altar, they would they would kill a lamb or a dove, and they sacrificed it to God. Uh, it, it had it had to die. And um, so I went on, and I thought I'd done a pretty good job. You know, I was feeling pretty good about myself. You know, teaching my boy something here. And uh, so anyway, I, we we shot the mistletoe out of the tree, and we put it in the truck, and. He closed the door, and uh, I explained to him, I said, look, son, I said, you got to realize where that Happy Meal comes from, from McDonald's. <laughs> it wasn't come from a rabbit. I said, no, son, it comes from a cow. He thought about that for a little bit, and we started to drive off. He said, Daddy, will you take me hunting one day? And I said, yeah, son, I'll take you hunting. He said, can we go shoot us a cow? I, I, I said, no, son, we can't go shoot no farmer's cow. I'll take you to McDonald's. <laughs> Listen. Uh, he got it all wrong in one way, right? His, he, he, got it, he got the interpretation wrong. Uh, he, he didn't understand uh, th uh, that... Uh, thou shalt not kill did not apply to animals. He did get that part wrong. But in another way, he got it all right. He got it all right. Because he put faith that, that God says. He, put, he, he had the faith, even though he misunderstood, that God says. See, solo scripture states that God's word stands alone. It means that God's word is the supreme authority, the supreme authority over the church and over a believer. Scripture is God's thoughts, not human reasoning. The word of God is holy and divinely inspired. Galatians 1, 11 through 12. Listen to what God says through Paul. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not on mere human reasoning. I receive my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by the direct revelation from Jesus Christ. See, Paul is saying, this is not from me. This is, this is from God. Okay? This word is not my message this is God's message. First Thessalonians 2.13 says, Therefore we never stop thanking God that when you received this message from us, you didn't think of our words as human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. See, the foundation of the Christian faith is that the living God spoke to humanity and his words were recorded. God included humanity to play a part. That was his plan to include us in it. Just for the penmanship. But, but believe this, those words were penned long before ink hit the paper. Long before ink hit the paper, 
those words were pens. They were God's words. And in Moses' cases, it was a stone, right? Exodus 31, 18, when the Lord had finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him what? Two, two tablets, right? Two tablets with the terms of the covenant. And what does the scripture say? It said it was written by the finger of God. Written by the finger of God. See, scripture says, God says. God says, scripture says. They're the same. I want to give you three foundational truths on the doctrine of Scripture alone, or sola scriptura. Truth number one is the inerrancy of Scripture. That means that God's Word is without error. B.B. Warfield said this, a theologian, known for his studies of the doctrine of inspiration in the late 1800s, early 1900s. He says that the tr trustworthiness of Scripture lies at the foundation of trust in Christian in the Christian system of doctrine and is therefore fundamental to the Christian hope in life. So when people start doubting the inerrancy of Scripture, it just soon becomes a book that cannot be trusted. For example, if you don't believe in the, in the creation in Genesis 1, if you just want to throw that to the side, you don't, you don't believe that God spoke a word and that, that, that the universe existed, then how can you believe in John 3.16 and the message of salvation? That for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but would have everlasting life. When people start downing the inerrancy of scripture, it becomes a book. They cannot be trusted. The fact of the matter is either the Bible is absolute truth or it's a book of lies. Many Christians today will deny parts of the Bible. Parts of the Bible. I didn't say that they, not all of the Bible, but they'll take parts out of it. And this don't lead, this will only lead, I should say, to the rejection of many major doctrines of the Christian church. Feelings. We can't base the Word of God on feelings. Feelings are flexible, right? They go up and down. My wife, the other day, she said, Oh, man, and what, are you not loving this 80-degree weather we have once in a while? Well, my wife, the other day, said, You know, I just feel so alive. You know, it's springtime and the weather and the sun, and I get to go out on the beach. I just feel more alive. But I told her, I said, Well, what about the days when it's cold and rainy? How do you feel then? See, feelings, feelings are up. Feelings are down. I mean, if, if, we, if we base our decisions and, 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 and how we look at Scripture on feelings, it's just, it's just going to go up and down like the weather. See, if feelings are the foundation of our beliefs, then our so-called faith will, will just, just blow like the wind. But if truth is the basis, if truth is the basis of our beliefs, they are grounded in something substantial. I think, uh, I think our, our trust in Scripture is, is extremely dependent upon our trust in God. 2 Peter 1, 16 through 21 makes the most, 
I think, confident statement on the trustworthiness of the written word. He says, For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. They're, 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 they're on the mountain of transfiguration. Okay? They're, 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 they're seeing this with their own eyes. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. When ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain, because of that experience, listen to me, because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. So you must pay close attention to what they wrote for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. And until the day dawns and Christ in the morning star shines in your heart, and above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture was ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. See, Peter, even with, well, the experience that he had, gave them more confident in what the prophets had written before. Maybe you've had an experience out there with God that will give you more confidence in the Word of God. If the prophet spoke from God, there's no error in the Word. Martin Luther said it this way, This is the Word of God, which cannot lie nor err. Of this I am certain. See, we are to live by faith, by faith in the Word of God. It's the more sure word of prophecy that God gave us through Scripture. Truth number two. Truth number two is the sufficiency of Scripture. Scripture is sufficient for our final salvation. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's to say that scripture are sufficient means that the Bible is all we need to equip us for a life of faith and a life of service. Scripture provides a clear, a clear demonstration of God's intentions to do this one thing. To restore the broken relationship between himself and humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. Through the gift of faith. Scripture provides one clear demonstration. is to restore the broken relationship between himself and humanity. See, God's intention is to give you the wisdom to receive salvation. That is offered what? Through his son, Jesus Christ, the word. No other writings are necessary between, no other writings are necessary for the good news. There's no other writings needed and necessary for the good news to be understood, 
nor are there any other writings required to equip us for a life of faith. It doesn't mean that other writings and books are not helpful. I'm not saying that you can't read another book from another author that complements the Word of God. There's many out there. There's many books that complement the Bible, but there's no man-made writing. Listen to me. There's no man-made writing that is sufficient to equip us for every good work. Only the Word of God can do that. Furthermore, if scriptures are sufficient to equip us, then nothing more is needed. Truth number three. Psalms 119, 130 says, The teaching of your word gives light so even the simple can understand. See, it's the clarity of Scripture. And the clarity of Scripture denotes that any person can read Scripture for themselves and discover the basic way of, 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 of salvation. It, it's been said, and I know who quoted this, but I, I, I love the quote. It's been said that God's word is like a river. God's word is deep enough for an elephant to swim in, but it's shallow enough for a lamb to find its footing. I love what Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14 says. It says this. This command I, I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you, and it's not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven, so distant that you must ask who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey it. It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey it. No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and it is in your heart so you can, can you obey it. See, God's word is clear. God's word is understandable. Why? Because God's the one who will place it there. He's going to be the one that will replace it, the word within you. And all it takes for you is to draw close to his word. All it takes is for you to believe. I'm going to ask the worship man to come back up. Um, there, was a, a, there was a time in... in uh, Mine and my wife's, uh, and I've said this before, uh, life that where um, I received salvation one week before she did. Okay, one week. She wasn't far behind. One 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 night, uh, I was reading uh, the Book of Revelations, and I was reading it. I read it straight through. I didn't, I didn't put it down until I got to the end. And, and beside of me, my wife was reading Stephen King's book. I know. <laughs> Crazy, right? But, you know, I didn't understand everything that I read in the book of Revelations. It's, it's not a book that you can just read through one time and you get it all. Okay. So a lot of symbolism. There's just a lot in the book of Revelations that you really need to sit down and study. But, you know, I, I kept reading it. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to put it down. You know, uh, you know, I got to chapter 4, and I started reading about the four living beings. 
you know, covered with eyes. They're covered with wings. You know, a lion, an ox, a human face, an eagle. For a minute, really, I really thought maybe I was reading Stephen King, I swear. <laughs> I kept reading. I kept reading. I read about the seven churches, seven stars, the angels, and the seven churches, the lampstands, the seven lampstands, seven seals. But then I got to chapters 21 and 22. And I don't know if you've read Revelations. I challenge you to read it, especially chapters 21 and 22. understood I was newly saved but I knew see I knew he was preparing a place for me I knew that uh, truth, thank you. I knew that truth, finally, I became victorious. <laughs> See, I knew he was, he was, he was creating a new heaven, a new earth, with no more tears, no more pain, no more death, no more sin. See, God's. I knew that his desire was to restore me. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I knew that I belonged to him. God's word, it does stand alone. There's no higher authority. Not over the church. Not over the Christian's life. He's the one who created the universe, right? He's the one that created you. You know, he's held all the oceans in, in, in one hand. His word stands alone. Stands above all others. See, I do believe his creation is a witness that who he is. I do believe it. I, bl I believe it when I look at a sunset. I believe it when I, when I see a sunrise. I believe it when I see the stars in the sky, the mountains in the distance. 
And by his creation alone, I know that he is our creator. And there's many other things that witness to who he is. But there's nothing, nothing. And I mean nothing higher than his spoken word. It stands above all. Here at Coastal, we want to give everyone the opportunity to say that Jesus Christ is my Savior. And that's what we want to do this morning. I want to invite you to look at how you view Scripture, how you view His spoken word. And if you haven't, if you haven't ever read his word, I mean, I'm talking about reading it. If you never read the Bible, I challenge you to read, read, read the Bible. God's word stands alone. With all heads bowed, eyes closed, please. I want, to, I want to make this day an opportunity for anyone out here that does not know him. I want to make this day the day of salvation for someone who needs Christ. I just want to ask if that is anybody here in this room today, if you'll just slip up your hand and say, I need, I need Jesus. I need his word in my life. If there's anybody, don't miss this opportunity. It's, it's an eternal decision. have faith and belief that everyone in here knows Christ Father I want to thank you this morning for your spoken word I want to thank you for searching for me when I when I hid from you I want to thank you that your hand is always there for me to grab a hold of thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. I pray, Lord, that your word will be placed deep in our hearts this morning and that we may know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to worship. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.